This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. What we did um, in the past two weeks, we've actually taken questions that were submitted and answered that specific question and had a response to it. This week, listen, of all the questions we brought together, I would say that anywhere between 60 to 80% of the questions were dealing with sex, sexuality, and marriage. And so that's a big, big, big amount of questions, and we can't go through and answer individually. So what we did is we paired all the, all the questions down to two main sort of categories. And so we're going to look, first we're going to look at marriage and sex and talk about that. And then secondly, we're going to talk about gender and sexuality. Because I would say 60 to 80% of the questions that came in were surrounding these two issues, which is crazy, but obviously it's something that you guys want to talk about. It's something that you want a perspective on. And so we thought, let's talk about it, right? Let's, let's have the conversation. Let's start the conversation. So if you are super uncomfortable, um, you can pretend like you have to go to the bathroom and just dip out. You know, no judgment here. But um, these are some conversations that I think need to be had, and I think the church needs to talk more about this stuff. We need to be more a, a more intricate part of this conversation. And so that's what we're going to do. So hopefully uh, you don't feel too awkward. And if you do, like I said, go to the bathroom. Um, so first we're going to start with marriage and sex. Specifically, we're going to talk about sex, and then we're going to talk about marriage, even though they don't normally go in that order. Okay? So let's talk about that. So sex. Um, Lori, I want to start with you. Sexuality has been so taboo in the church as a whole, you know, historically and all that. So talk, talk a little bit about that. Uh, I don't know if you all have ever heard these conversations, but just this just happened a couple days ago. Someone said to, started talking about sex, and we happened to be in this building. And they went, oh, I'm not supposed to talk about that here. That's something I'm not supposed to talk about. Yeah, right. That's ridiculous. This is the place to talk about it. And I don't mean in an inappropriate graphic way. I just mean with the appropriate audience, the appropriate um, time, and the appropriate place. Um, but historically speaking, we, we have held back because sex appeared to be too carnal and too lustful and too sensual, uh, which made us keep it in the shadows. And it was almost feared to be spoken of. Um, and I think the world has distorted it, and that may be... We've done that as a pushback to society, uh, but it is something we should be talking about. It's not something to be feared or a taboo subject. Um, in fact, look at Song of Solomon. It's something that <laughs> speaks about sex. It but, is don't, something... but don't look at Song of Solomon until you're like 16 or so. Please yeah. don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't let that be the bedtime stories with your kids at night, no. okay? You're going to have to have conversations you're not ready to have. As I said, that's not an appropriate <laughs> audience. Um, but it's something to be talked about in an appropriate environment, and it's a beautiful gift from God. So let's talk about it more openly. Um, and talking about it more openly will lead us to other discussions that we'll talk about later yeah. <laughs> this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, one of the main questions that came in, one of, uh, you know, multiple people asked was about sex before marriage. Um, you know, do or don't. Is it evil? Is it okay? Is it whatever? Because our culture's shifting and, you know, everything's changing. And so what, what are the thoughts? What, what, is, what is the perspective of this idea of sex before marriage? Do you want to tackle that a little bit? Talk about that 
a little bit? Sure, it's easy. No, <laughs> um, they're all easy, right? Yeah. No, uh, you know, the thing is, is that I think far too often, um, especially in the modern church, we have thought about the Bible as a rule book, you know, as a list of here's what to do and here's what not to do. And, and if you do all the right things and don't do all the wrong things, then you're good with God and, and we're all set. I don't see the Bible that way, you know. Um, this is a bigger discussion. I know you had some of this discussion last week, so I, I'll try not to repeat some of that. I wasn't here. But you know, the reality is, is that so much of what is in Scripture in terms of um, thoughts and ideas and, and, and talk, talk about behavior is really a matter of God explaining to us how we work, you know, how we as human beings are designed to function. And when it comes to sexuality, you know, sex is, as Lori said, it's a, it's a wonderful, beautiful gift from God, and it's powerful. It's a powerful tool for, for building intimacy and, and the bond between a couple. And even if you look at this scientifically, and I'm stepping a little bit on her expertise here, but when, when we have sex, when a sexual act occurs, there are all kinds of chemicals that are released in the brain, things like vasopressin and oxy, oxy, oxytocin, that literally rewire your brain to be bonded with the person you're having sex with. It literally changes the wiring in your brain. Mm -hmm. So if we're engaging in more casual sexual encounters, what we're, what we're really doing to ourselves is we're messing with our brains because we're creating these bonds of intimacy and then we're breaking them. And then we're creating them and then we're breaking them. And I think we're, we're honestly doing a disservice to who we are as human beings. I think God designed us to, to have this unique bond between a husband and a wife, between a, a couple that lasts a lifetime and sex is a tool for cementing that bond. And when we use it outside of that, that committed relationship, we're literally doing damage to our humanity. It just doesn't, it's not the way we're designed to function. So I don't think of it as a do and don't. I think of it as a, listen, this is, this, God, is God is saying this is, the, this is the best way to be human. You know, this is the ideal way to function as a human being. Because sexuality is so powerful, we need to be careful with how we use it. You know, if you own a gun or if you own a car, there are kind of parameters around how you use those things because they're powerful, and because they're powerful, they're dangerous. I think sexuality is the same way. We shouldn't use it flippantly. Because it is so powerful, we can do damage, not just to ourselves, but to people around us if we misuse that power. Right. Yeah, totally, and that's, that's just the brain function. That's not even taking into account your emotional... Connection and d yeah. destruction and connection and destruction yeah. and your relational connection and destruction yeah. and all of that. It's, it's all tied together. It's right? all in one and it's, it's super, super messy. Um, and so ultimately, you know, sex before marriage, bad idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not, idea. not God's design, not God's best for your life. Um, and, but but now talk about the importance of sexuality within the context of marriage because it's not all gloom and doom, terrible, like Lori was saying, a lot of the church conversation has been historically, you know, ooh, we don't talk about that. Ooh, that's dirty. Ooh, that's bad. Ooh, that's, you know, whatever. But talk about the importance of sexuality within the context of marriage. 
And husbands, uh, refrain from elbowing your wife while they're talking, please. <laughs> okay, let's, let's keep away from that. <laughs> I, <laughs> or vice versa. I, I think, Bob, did you use the word cement? I, I, I think it, it has that quality, that it's something that very much cements a couple together. Think about it. If you're in a sexual relationship, we don't need to raise hands, but... Uh, um, let's, let's not raise hands. Um, <laughs> um, when the act is over, you feel a closeness. There's a reason for that. There's that connection in the brain and that emotional connection. It is spiritual. very in a spiritual connection. It's a very much uh, a cementing event in your relationship. And when it when it's ongoing and it's not put aside or thrown aside for other whatever reasons that are maybe selfish, we, we have that chance of bonding with that other person. It's incredibly important and can't be pushed to the back burner. Yeah, and that, that's, why, that's why the Apostle Paul, you know, when he wrote in, to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 6, he said, listen, to husband and wives, he said, listen, don't deny each other sexual relations, but be a servant you know, be a giving servant sexually to your spouse because that's what you need to maintain a healthy relationship. And, you know, just again, when you look at studies, you know, studies have shown that, that uh, sexual intimacy between a couple enhances all the other kinds of intimacy, intellectual intimacy, emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy, they all interconnect. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why God has given us sexuality. It's not just a matter of having babies. Yeah, it's not for just procreation. Right, yeah. um, something that you've mentioned in the past is, um, if you think about it, uh, you're, the one you're committed to, that's the, that's the thing that you can only get from them. If, if I'm out of town, Bob can cook himself, even if, I mean, he's a great cook, but even if he weren't, he could maybe boil water, he could make a grilled cheese, and, and he can provide himself with some nourishment. He can do his own laundry. He can do all those things. He can talk to other people, but the one thing he can't get elsewhere is sex. I provide that and vice versa. They're, they're married, by the way. This is Bob and Lori. <laughs> Let me throw that out there just in case you don't know them. <laughs> Let's clarify that real quick up front here, okay? All right. I guess that was vital information. <laughs> That's vital to make this, this happen. Um, <laughs> No, that's, that's great. And I can, see, I can see the date nights now. Babe, you know, the Bible says we should have sex, so let's do it. You know, I can, I can see that. I can see that. This is good content. Practical application. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, so that, I think that hits a lot of the questions that came in because a lot of the questions were surrounding uh, premarital sex. A lot of the questions were surrounding uh, sex being talked about in the church and sex within the confines of marriage and how all that works. And so essentially just summarizing all of that, sex before marriage, not God's best, does more damage than anything. You know, it's, it's, it's super damaging. Uh, but sex inside of marriage, super important yep. for that commitment and all of that sort of thing, right? So, so yes. Um, so kind of transitioning to, so marriage has, a lot of the questions were surrounding marriage. A lot of the questions that came in were, you know, in our day and age with everything progressing and is marriage even important? Is marriage even a thing? Is marriage, you know, what's the point of marriage and all of that? And so do you guys want to talk a little bit about marriage as a whole? Maybe talk about the state and the, you know, all that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, well, I'm going to try to 
be as clear as possible on this, but I will say that I don't think God cares what the government says about your relationship. God, God doesn't look at a contract and a piece of paper that the government put a stamp on to say whether you're married or not. That, your relationship is defined between the two of you and God and not by a government. Um, so I'm, you know, whatever, you, whatever your, your, your thoughts are on the government and marriage, I don't think, I, th I think it's irrelevant. Um, and, and I, and I do think that, um, uh, a lot of the things that we, we think about, you know, do you have to have a big church wedding or do you have to have this, or do you have to have that to, for it to really be a marriage? You know, in, in the, in the time of Jesus, uh, just to give you an idea what marriage was like in the time of Jesus, um, uh, if I wanted to marry Lori, which in that time she would be much younger, sorry, babe, uh, I would go to her father, I would sign a contract to say, I want your, to marry your daughter, how much money do you want for me to marry your daughter? Sounds a little icky, but... And then yeah. I would go off and work until I saved up enough money to pay her father... And when I saved up enough money to pay her father, I would go to their house. I would say, here's the money. We would go in the back room. We would have sex. And that would be it. There was no ceremony. There was no, you know, blessing of a priest or anything like that. They would then, once the, once, and there's, I won't go into details because it's ugly. But, you know, they would, once that, once that sexual act was over, then they would have a party and that would be that. Um, I think what God cares about is, is commitment. Mm -hmm. You know, what God defines marriage as is a lifelong commitment between two people. That's what a marriage is. And that, I think, is what's important. And that, I think, is what gets lost in our society today because we think about marriage as this contract, this piece of paper. And we think, well, you know, if I, if I fall out of love, then we can just tear up the contract and I can move on to somebody else. And that's not... God's ideal for marriage. God's ideal is, is that two people commit to themselves for life, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, all those fancy words that we throw into ceremonies, but that's real. Because the fact of the matter is, you don't fall in and out of love. You either decide to do it or you decide not to do it. When, you, when it comes to loving people, when it comes to loving a spouse, you decide to do it. You know, Even when it's hard, even when you don't feel it, you do it. That's what commitment means. That's what a that's what a, a covenant is. That's what a marriage is, um, and 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 I think that's what we need to focus on. You know, and and, and that gets back to you know the whole idea of premarital. A lot of people these days are like, well, I kind of want to test things out. I want to you know I want to we, we want to live together a little bit and see if we're compatible. Let me give you a little hint. There are no two human beings in this planet that are compatible. Human beings by nature are not compatible. Human beings by nature are selfish, self-centered, I want what I want people. There is no such thing as compatibility, sexually or otherwise. It, it doesn't exist. You choose to be compatible. You choose to be in a relationship with someone and make the adjustments necessary to spend a lifetime with that person. And I think that's really what marriage is, and that's what that I think you know, what we need to focus on. You mentioned the importance of commitment and focusing on that, and just from, I'm digressing a bit, but it is, it is um, 
a variable to be considered. If, most people want to go into a marriage and then they want to have children. And one of the things we need to keep, you know, always in mind is that a committed relationship in the eyes of children is incredibly important. Um, we, uh, just as an example from my work, I ask, uh, I work with teens and up, I don't work with little children, but um, I, I ask a question to get to know them better and I say, what would it be like what do you think about being committed to someone for the rest of your life? Um, and they, every time, positively answer, that sounds great, I want that in my life. No one has ever said to me, ooh, that sounds ugly, I don't want that. It's something that people kind of desire. They want someone to connect with and commit to for the rest of their lives. Um, and what we do when we have that commitment, and we live it out in front of our children, even when times are tough, we teach them tenacity, we teach them conflict resolution, we teach them empathy skills, we teach them uh, how to mutually respect one another, um, even when times are tough. And we also uh, teach them that if, you know, these two people that I love the most are committed and they're working their lives out, wow, I feel secure. I feel like I can operate from that very secure foundation and that feels good. Um, even our affection toward one another, when kids see that, they act grossed out. But you know what? Secretly, they like it because they need to see that in their parents. It's a really good, healthy thing for our children to see. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. So, so um, marriage then, marriage. We're saying marriage should be defined as a lifelong covenant between two people and God. And that's, that's sort of the, the, the Jesus way to view marriage. Now, the contract does get you tax breaks and yeah. hospital yeah. visitation <laughs> and all that yeah. kind of thing. And so, you know, there's benefits. We're not saying, you know, down with the government, but, but at the same time, at the bare bones of the discussion, it's more than just a piece of paper that the courthouse gives you, yeah. right? It's a spiritual commitment. It's a relational commitment. It's an emotional commitment to one person forever. It's not like a... Oh, yeah, we'll do this for a little while and see if something better comes along, right? That's, that's the idea. And then um, and the important commitment and compatibility. And all. I, like the, I like that, that there's no two compatible people um, because that's what it is. It's, it's an, marriage is a consistent giving. It's a consistent yeah. posture of service. It's a consistent, you know, caring for the other yeah. uh, more than yourself, right? So that's, that's huge. So hopefully that answers some of your questions about the marriage stuff and the sexuality stuff and, and sort of paints a picture of God's kind of best way here. Uh, like I said, we're not giving answers. We're just giving perspectives. We're just giving ideas of, of what we think God's best for these topics are. Now, shifting gears a little bit to this whole gender and sexuality stuff. Let's talk about that for a moment because... Um, are we out of time? What? Are we out of time? Are we out of time? We are. Three minutes. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Um, thanks for coming to... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, yeah. Let's, let's talk about this for a few minutes here um, and kind of dig in. So uh, let's start off by talking before we get into, you know, the nitty-gritty and the, and the details and, and all of that sort of thing. Let's talk about sort of the church's response to this conversation historically. You know what I mean? Let's, let's talk a little bit about that first to set the stage for the rest of the discussion. Yeah, I, I, I just want to say right up front, I think the church has a lot to repent and apologize for 
when it comes to its treatment of people in the LGBT community or you know any of any of those conversations when it comes to sexuality and gender I think we have a lot to apologize for we have not been gracious we have not been Christ-like we have not been compassionate and, and I think my generation in particular um, is particularly guilty of that and and so I think I think first and foremost we need to we need to take a step back and, and understand um, that we've done wrong you know and we need to reevaluate how we've talked about these issues of gender and sexuality and how we've talked about talked about and talked to um, the LGBTQ community and, 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 and those and people that are that are that are different from how we perceive ourselves. We we need to we need to take a step back and say, listen, let's be more Christ-like, let's be more compassionate, let's be more understanding, let's reach out in love and then have those conversations. I think that's really important. And I and I say that as somebody who you know, I went to college in the mid-80s during the, the, you know, the AIDS panic and, and all those sorts of things. Just want to so, throw it out there that I was born in the mid-80s. Shut up, Sam. Throwing that uh, out there. Just <laughs> throwing that out there. Go ahead. I, I'm done. No. <laughs> no, but seriously, I really do think we, we have a lot to apologize for, and we need to take a step back and reevaluate how we're discussing these issues. And I, I hope this morning we'll start that that conversation. Yeah, that, that's huge. Um, talk a little bit about how extremely sensitive and multi-layered and personal and all of this stuff is. How, why this is such a difficult conversation to have. Well, I think your sexuality is a very personal thing. If I, uh, if I say, you know, I prefer chicken over beef, so what? It doesn't mean much. But when we start to talk about our, our sexual orientation or our identity, it becomes very personal. Um, and that changes the conversation a great deal. Um, I mean, that's the Yeah, I, it, it really is a defining attribute of who we are. When we talk about gender and sexuality, uh, other than other attributes, blondes, blue eyes, whatever, there's all kinds of attributes that I can say, you know what, if you don't like that, fine. But, you know, our gender and our sexuality is very self-defining, and so when people make broad-stroked comments about these issues in public, it can be very hurtful because it's, it's a very personal thing. And I, I think we need to, this is one of the things I think is that we need to take a step back and, 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 and avoid making broad-stroke comments about things, particularly things we don't understand, um, and, and really start having personal conversations about these topics with people and, and, and because it's not an issue. You know, LGBT is not an issue to be dealt with. Gender and sexuality is not an issue to be dealt with. It's people. It's people. And we right. need to have conversations and love people and be compassionate with people and get to know people and interact with their lives and be a, a positive influence on people, on individuals, you know. I don't think it's important for us to make broad stroke statements about, you know, generalizations about a culture, about a community. We need to have conversations with people. Yeah. And I think that you, you began to touch on it. Those in the LGBTQ community are suffering. Many people are suffering, and sometimes in silence. 
they're far more likely, I think Bob read a statistic, that they're eight times more likely to commit suicide because they don't feel accepted and they don't feel loved. And that's wrong. We should be loving these people just like we love anybody else. It's not an issue. These are people. Yeah, and, and I think it's such a hard, I think it's such a hard conversation to have as well. I think Bob started to touch on it, and when we were talking earlier, you mentioned it. You were like, you know, if I get tattoos, it's like, and someone disapproves, okay, whatever, get over it, you know, or you said, you know, chicken, beef, whatever, but those are things that we do, but our sexuality is who we are, and so when you begin to, you know, dive into these conversations, make blanket statements, it can be extremely painful and extremely hurtful and extremely you know, unsensitive to, to say certain things and to handle it certain ways. And so even this conversation today, this is not the forum for this conversation. No, it really isn't. And, and, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it really isn't. And, le and let me be clear, uh, in, in case I wasn't, you know, it's so personal, it's so individual because it's not a decision. I, had a, I made a decision to get a tattoo, you know. Um, Lori made a decision to have blonde hair. Sort of. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> the secret's out. Secret's out. <laughs> the secret's out. <laughs> Way to go, Bob. Look at my roots. The secret isn't. It's not well hidden. People don't make a decision to be attracted to one gender or another. People don't make a decision to feel, from a gender standpoint, who they are. These things are imprinted, you know, at a, you know, the, and, and the science, again, is, is not settled on this. But it's pretty, pretty firm at this point, in my opinion, you know, that the, 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 in terms of gender and your sexual orientation, these are things that are imprinted both from a DNA standpoint, but, you know, at, you know, before you're born, and also through, you know, early childhood experiences and experiences early in life that, that you didn't make any choice to experience, nor did you make a choice to, it just, you have been imprinted to be who you are from a very young age. And so, you know, it, when we start having these conversations, we need to understand this is not a choice that somebody's making. This is not a decision. This is, this is something that defines who they are. And whether, whether you agree with it or not, this is who they are. And we need to love people who, for who they are and be in a relationship with people for who they are, not who we wish they were. Mm -hmm. yeah. Totally, totally. And so um, moving kind of, forward a little bit in the conversation and thinking of the questions that came in, many of the questions came in regarding the LGBT community and what the church's stance is and, um, you know, where do we stand on this? How does this work? What, what does the church think about all this and the social justice stuff and all of that? And um, I get, I, I was telling you guys, I get fielded this a lot in our CC 101 class, because in our CC 101, if you haven't taken CC 101, you need to take CC 101. Even if you've been going here for 10 years, you need to take, well, I haven't even been here 10 years, but you need to take <laughs> CC 101, okay? If you haven't taken, doesn't matter how long you've been going here, because we cover everything about the church. And in week two, we talk about uh, where we stand on things, like our, our, um, our position. And we go through our basic beliefs, and then we open it up to open forum. Any question you want to ask, we'll talk about it. And um, that... We haven't had a CC 101 yet that that question hasn't come up. And my response, they, they always say, well, what, where does the church stand on this? And my response is always the same. It's extremely unsatisfying to every person that asks. But my response is the same. It's, it's if, if you had to survey our congregation or you had to survey the people of this church and you had to say, where do we stand on this issue? I would honestly say that about 33, I said half 
last time we talked, but then I ended up with three halves, and I was like, yeah. ah, that didn't work. <laughs> Not good math. Yeah, no, no, I need to work on that. Um, so I would say about 33% of the people who come to church here think that homosexuality is a sin and believe that it's wrong, it's an abomination, all that kind of stuff, right? I would say 33% of the people who come to church here think that it's totally okay and that God can be all over that and that it, they're um, what culture has deemed affirming and all of that sort of thing. I would say 33% feel that way. I would say the other 33%, their head's spinning. And they're saying, I have no idea. I thought it was one way. Now I think it's a different way. Or, you know, I was raised this way, but now I'm not so sure. Or I've begun to do research for myself rather than hearing what other people have told me. And so in the conversation, when I'm asked, where does the church stand on this? I say, yep. <laughs> That's where we stand. Because everybody is at a different spot in their journey. And the trick of leading a faith community like this is creating a space that's safe enough that people who are on this side of the discussion and people who are on this side of discussion and people who are somewhere in the middle can all put Jesus right at the center and say, that's the most important thing. Yep. And as long as we're all chasing after that, that's what's most important, right? And so, um, but talk a little bit about sort of the, the theological challenges and perspectives of all of this. Because the people who are saying homosexuality is a sin, it's totally wrong, whatever, they're using scripture, and they're using theology. People who are saying homosexuality is totally okay, and the LGBT community, all that stuff is totally okay, and uh, God can be in those relationships and all over that, they're using scripture, and they're, they're backing it up in theology as well. The people in the middle, they don't know what they think. But how, how is, talk about that a little bit. You want to take that one? No. <laughs> no? Okay. That, this is the easiest question, so go ahead. We'll let you... Uh... Yeah, you know, I, I'll just say, you know, those of you who know me know kind of theology is like my, my jam. We, we call him the resident theologian. Yeah, something like that. But, yes. Uh, and, and I said, I, I, you know, I went to college in the mid-80s, mid and I went and to like college... And like I said, I was, I was born Shh. in the mid-80s. Just want to reiterate that I said that. Go ahead. So, and I went to college, I went to college at a very conservative Church of God holiness school. I mean, we literally, when I went to the school, we signed a contract that said we wouldn't dance. P.S. P.S. I, I broke that rule. Um, uh, but even in this super conservative Wesleyan holiness college, I had close friends that confided in me that they were gay. And they were also Jesus-loving, committed followers of Christ. And all throughout my life, and I, I, I was talking to somebody last night, I consider this a, a real privilege that I, for, for somebody in my generation that I've had that influence in my life because it has really helped my perspective um, to not be stereotypical about this. But, but, but that being said, I've literally been trying to study this, this topic pretty much all my adult life. And I'm still studying it. And I still don't feel like I have a perfect handle on it. I don't. Because, you know, and we went through the Apostles' Creed series earlier in this year. And those of you who are here remember, you know, we talked about these are the, these are the, the, the non-negotiables. These are the things that define yeah. what a Christian is. Yeah. There's a whole lot of issues, folks, that are debatable, that church, people within the church have differences of opinion about. And unfortunately, in our society, we've turned into this kind of society that that says, this is what I believe, I'm going to dig in my heels, and everybody who disagrees with me is an idiot. And going to hell. 
And going to hell, yeah, in <laughs> yeah. the church, particularly. And, and that's a really unhealthy way to be because, folks, we're, we've been 2,000 years of Christianity now. There are a whole bunch of issues that we still haven't all agreed on, from how to baptize people to whether or not women should speak in church to all kinds of stuff like this. So there are certain things within Christianity that there is room for us to have differences of opinion. And this, this issue in particular is really difficult. And if, if you really want to dig into it and you want to talk about the, the meaning of the Greek words, arsenokoites uh, uh, or malakoi, you want to talk about these things, come talk to me. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to talk to you. You want to talk about the cultural things. You know, when, when the Apostle Paul was writing about these topics in the first century, the typical relationship that he would have been talking about was the idea that Roman men in Roman society were kind of expected to have a wife who would bear children, but then they would also take on a young boy as a, as a lover. That was normal in Roman society. So when Paul wrote the book of Romans to Christians in Rome, and he talked about, used the Greek word malakoi, or arsenokoites, this, this would have been the first thing in their mind. So it's not, what, it's not the same as what we think of today. Um, and then you get into all kinds of other, uh, you know, issues on inter interpreting scripture when we think about the Bible. For example, there are, did you know there are just as many scriptures in the New Testament that command us to greet each other with a holy kiss whenever we meet together as there are scriptures that talk about homosexuality? How many of you kissed each other when you came into church this morning? Maybe we shouldn't raise our hand for that either. Oh, come on. Man. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to out anybody. Uh, I'm just saying. Because modern Christians have decided that that's, those scriptural commands, and there's six of them in the New Testament, to greet each other with the Holy Christ, we've decided that culturally that's no longer relevant to us. Now, how did we come to that conclusion? Honestly, most people have come to that conclusion because they're uncomfortable kissing each other. Amen. Mm, that'll preach. Come over here. <laughs> but seriously, so often we make decisions on some of these topics based on what we're comfortable with and what we like or don't like. And I think if we're going to come to conclusions on these topics, we need to be much more thoughtful and much more measured and less dogmatic about them. Now, if you're on the 33% that says, hey, gay marriage is fine, gay relationships are fine, it's no problem, I would encourage you to dig into it a little bit more. Because, not that, not that I think you're wrong or you're right, but have you really examined the issue? And I'm going to say, if you're absolutely convinced that gay relationships are wrong and there's, they're an abomination to God, I encourage you, are you sure? How did you come to that conclusion? Did you really dig into it, or did you just read one verse and go, oh, that's what it means? It's not that simple. It's not a simple issue. Like I said, I've been studying it for coming, going on 30 years now, and I, I'm still studying it. I still haven't come to a, a settled conclusion because it's complicated, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's important for us to... I think as, as, as believers to not simply make snap decisions, especially when it's such a personal issue for people, um, 
but to really be measured and, and, and you know, as Sam talked about recently, it's, it's not about taking stands on issue. It's about who you stand with. And I think that's what's important. If you're worried about where you stand on an issue, don't. Worry about who you're standing with. Oh, I thought you were... The, I was. I was giving you the tap. I was just going to say, it, lest you lest you think that you know Bob is just some guy you go to church with. He's sitting up here talking about this. There are book there are books upon books upon books on this topic. Theologians that are very learned and intelligent, and they can't agree. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. There's these super smart theologians who justify this side, and there's super the smart theologians yeah. that justify it, and they're all accredited and, and yeah. the whole deal. Yeah. And yeah. But and tell, tell, you said something yesterday when we were talking. About both sides to well, say that. Well, yeah. The, the, the thing is, is that, you know, um, you talk about affirming marriage. Do we affirm gay marriage? Well, I'm not even sure I affirm your heterosexual marriage until I have a conversation with you. <laughs> Honestly, Boom. I really don't know. Mic drop. You know? <laughs> so, so don't ask me to make broad statements about what kind of relationships I affirm. I affirm relationships on an individual basis. If I meet with you, if Lori and I meet with you, you know, if we have, you know, we still haven't passed judgment on Leo and Brittany over there. We're still on a fence with those They're two. in the middle of their uh, premarital yeah. counseling, we, so. We have a few more meetings The jury's with them, still out. We've been talking I'm about you guys so when you're sure. not here. But, um, but seriously, <laughs> you know, we, we, we're too focused on making broad brush statements on issues. Folks, issues are not important. People are what's important. People are what's important. And, and I think we need to have these conversations with people, and, and, and that's another thing I'll say, is if, if, if you um, have a firm stance on this issue, I encourage you to find somebody on the other side of the issue and start having, start having gracious, measured conversations with those people. Don't Get a better it. understanding of yeah. people that disagree with yeah. you. It's that's nothing huge. to be feared. Yeah, because yeah. Bob, Bob, was, Bob was saying the other night, he was saying... Uh, when we were talking, kind of knowing that this was coming up, he was saying, he doesn't take a firm stance on an issue until you're able to argue both sides completely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, especially if I already have a firm stance on an issue. If I already have a firm, because what a lot of people do, uh, politics included, is they take a stance on an issue, and then they only pe read people that agree with them. You know, if you're conservative, then you only watch Fox News, and, and you read the the Drudge Report or whatever, and if, if you're a liberal, then you only read MSNBC or, you know, all that stuff. That's what most people do. And I think that's really unhealthy because it tends to polarize the issue. You know, when I'm studying something, especially if I have a, 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 a pre-existing opinion on it, I'll look for the best opinion on the other side of the equation and read their opinion because I want to get their perspective. I want to understand their their take on the issue before I make any public stance. And I think that's a healthy thing. I think all of us, not just in gender and sexuality, but in all issues where, especially where society is so polarized, I think it's important for us to reach out to people who disagree with us and to honest, not to debate with them, but to honestly try to understand, you have such a different opinion than I do. How did you come to that opinion? What made you come to that conclusion? Explain it to me. Let me understand it. Yeah. You know, seek to understand rather than to win an argument. Yeah, that's huge. And and as we're having these conversations, if you guys have any questions, if you have any 
um, if you're looking for resources, because I know I've had this conversation after CC 101, and people have come to me and said, what resources do you have? Where, how do some people think this is okay, when, when, or some people don't think this is okay, or whatever? They say, well, if you guys are looking for a list of resources, you know, Bob, I'm sure you have a bunch of resources. I've been able to compile a list of resources as well for you to say, well, listen, I think it's totally okay. How can people think this is not okay? There's some resources for that. There's some books. There's some authors. There's some theologians that we can give you. If you think this is totally not okay and you're saying, how can people think this is okay? We have some resources and some books and some authors and some, some really, really smart people that are, are chiming in Absolutely. on the issue. But um, so, so like we said, this is not the forum to get up and make blanket statements. But there is a blanket statement that we can make in regards to sex and marriage and gender and sexuality and all of that. What is the blanket statement that we can make about all of it? Blanket statement that we can make about all of Begin it? Begin with love. Yeah. Exactly. Jesus is love. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Love, love is everything. Love is paramount. Yeah. And so the goal in this conversation, as you're having these conversations, and hopefully you will be, hopefully this is not the only time that you're talking about this or listening about this, but as you're having these conversations, listen, love, grace, Empathy, acceptance for all people yes. in every conversation. That needs to be the goal. That needs to be the foundation. That needs to be the starting point, the whole middle, and the arrival. Yes. It needs to be all over all of it. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to everybody? That's the most important thing is L-O-V-E. That is paramount. And I believe that if God wants to have these kind of conversations, God wants to take us places, God wants the church to be part of these conversations, it's only going to happen if it's done in love. And it's soaked in love, and it's permeated with love, and love is all over it. That's, that's the absolute most important thing. And so do you guys have any closing thoughts or final things to share about any of this stuff? Marriage, sex, sexuality, all of it. Other than sex is awesome for married people. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you wrapped it. Because <laughs> it, it is. is. It is. Awesome. <laughs> it is. Um, no, I, I think you wrapped it up. It, That's it the really official is, church stance. Yeah. It really, is about, it really is about having these conversations, having these conversations graciously in a Christ-like manner, in a loving manner, and loving people no matter who they are, no matter how different from you they are. And, yeah. You know, that's, that's like our mantra here. Yeah. You know? Everyone really for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Any closing thoughts? No. no? You guys said it well. He got it. Who said it better, me or Bob? Bob. I think so too. I made it really long in this conversation without saying anything inappropriate, and then, all right, we're gonna close. Let me throw that out there. Um, that's terrible. Hopefully, we can strike it from the podcast or something. Um, goodness. Well, listen. Let, let me just reiterate. The goal of this series is is to spark conversations. Our goal is that you will take this conversation, you'll take it to your car as you leave. You'll take it, you know, to lunch and, and discuss it over lunch, or you'll do whatever. But these conversations will continue. You know, the, like we said, this is not the breadth of the conversation. And to be honest, we didn't even really give you that much new information. We just kind of threw it out there and said, hey, here's some things to think about. Here's some perspectives to consider. And here's some stuff that you should probably be talking about. Because if you've already, you know, arrived in a certain place, you need to question that. You need to make sure you've arrived at the right spot and why you've arrived there and all of this stuff. And if you're having issues understanding the Bible and what the Bible has to say about it, listen to the podcast from last week. 
We talked about hermeneutics and, and ways to interpret the Bible and ways to kind of make this stuff happen. And so all of this stuff kind of plays together. We've been intentional with this series of all of it kind of playing together and hopefully starting a conversation for you guys. And so what I want to do is I just want to pray together. And then we got some cool stuff happening in the lobby when you guys leave. We have our packing party for AWOL. So when you walk out, there's going to be some tables set up. We offer lunches to um, people who are caught up in sex trafficking in Detroit. We do it once a month, and so this is the Sunday that we pack those. So when you walk out there, Chris and Alyssa will be there. Just jump in, uh, jump on board, be a part of it. It's awesome. It's super powerful. They'll tell you what to do. Um, it's going to be great. And then next week, we're launching a new series. The, the panel thing is going to be gone. We're going to go back to uh, Hellfire and Brimstone, which is our mantra around here. And uh, we're going to tell you all how you're going to hell, okay? So it's going to be really, really good. Um, I'm just kidding. But we are going to start a new sermon series. I think it's the, uh, the parables. parables parables of Jesus next week. So it's going to be really, really cool. So let me pray for us together, and then hopefully we can keep this conversation going. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity and the freedom we have here at this, in this faith community to, uh, to just share different thoughts and different perspectives. I thank you for the freedom that we have among our people to discuss real issues in a real way with real people. And God, I pray today that the content that was shared, the ideas that were shared, the perspectives that were shared, I pray that it would broaden all of our views. I pray that we would approach everything through the lens of Jesus, through the lens of love and grace and forgiveness and acceptance, and that we would receive that for ourselves and we would reflect that to others. God, I pray that as we leave, we would keep this conversation going that we would keep the conversation going and be love in all things. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So from our conversation to yours, keep the conversation going. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.